a look at news, analysis, and insight from around the Big Ten Conference. This is Big Ten Paradigm, part of the College Gridiron Coast to Coast Podcast Network. And here's your host, Mark Rogers. Hey again, everyone. Welcome into Big Ten Paradigm, our seventh edition here at College Gridiron Coast to Coast. We appreciate you being here. Do us a favor. Hit the like button, leave a comment, and also check out all the other podcasts here at the College Gridiron Coast to Coast Network. We are covering college football coast to coast, and that includes, of course, the Big Ten. All right. Week six in the Big Ten was all about one team. Sorry to ignore your team in the Big Ten, the other 13. There were a lot of bye weeks. A lot of teams did not play. But, man, this was all about the beans in blue. Michigan, Michigan, Michigan. Statement game for Michigan. Do the Big Ten champions really need a statement game? Well, they delivered one. They still had doubters out there, and I would think that they have silenced the doubters. Michigan 41, Penn State 17. Did you see the game? Wasn't that close. It wasn't as close as 41 to 17. Yes, an undefeated Penn State team, top 10 ranked in the country, was obliterated in this game, was dominated, dominated, pushed around, looked to be inferior in every facet of the game. Penn State made two plays in the first half, and just because of the flow of the game and Michigan blowing some opportunities in the red zone, those two plays for Penn State kept them in the game. It was a 14-13 to Michigan lead at halftime. So you would think, really good ball game, good close game. No. Sean Clifford, sleight of hand, got away with a 65-yard run because everybody followed the running back and he tucked it under and nobody picked him up and he ran 65 yards that set up the one Penn State offensive touchdown. And Penn State got a freakish pick six from Curtis Jacobs off a deflection. So two plays, two touchdowns, basically. And otherwise, Michigan just continued to drive the ball right down the field at will. They bogged down in the red zone a few times and kicked field goals. Penn State actually came out of the locker room after being dominated in the, in the first half. And they kicked a field goal on their first drive. Penn State led this game 16-14, to and Michigan was by far the better team. Then they finally, on the scoreboard, took control, and the scoreboard finally reflected what we watched from the opening kickoff. Michigan rolled. Okay, we should have seen this coming. Maybe not to this extent, and I am going to make that disclaimer, that if these two teams play 10 times, Yes, Michigan is the better team. Penn State's a really good football team. They do have some areas of concern. And one of the areas of concern might be on the sideline with one James Franklin and his staff. James Franklin not getting the job done at Penn State overall. When you really look at the scope of college football, what's going on out there in other locations with similar or less talent, James Franklin recruits. And then what? Okay, back to Michigan. We'll get to James Franklin and Penn State in just a second. Michigan's at home. 
Michigan is facing a Penn State team. So both of these teams under their current head coaches, Harbaugh and Franklin, struggle against top competition on the road. Well, Michigan did not have to be concerned with that this week. Of course, they were playing at home. James Franklin is now 0-9 against top 10 teams on the road. 0-9. James Franklin made the comment, I guess I am going to go off on James Franklin before I get back to Michigan football. James Franklin made the comment, this has now been, was it four years ago? I get the Ohio State losses confused. I get them mixed up because they just came in succession of Penn State outplaying Ohio State for three quarters and then blowing a lead in the fourth quarter like they did in 2017, like they did in 2018. And after one of those losses, James Franklin called his program great. Overstatement, James. Not a great program. Really good program. Maybe right now just a good program, just a good team. Not really good. Not top 10 good. James Franklin, after that loss to Ohio State, says, hey, we've got we got a great program, but we're striving for elite, and Ohio State's elite. We're trying to make it to elite, and that's what we're going to do. Well, that was either in 2017 or 18. Again, both games, Penn State led by three scores and blew the game and lost by one point each time. I only bring that up because... James Franklin, again, had the opportunity to move into elite status in the Big Ten, to knock Michigan down and say, hey, we are now going to challenge Ohio State. And it's not like they lost on a last-second field goal. They were wiped out, wiped out in this game, annihilated. Their defensive front was wiped out by the Michigan offensive line. Play after play after play after play. 418 yards rushing for Michigan. 7.6 yards per carry. And again, James Franklin's doing a heck of a job on the recruiting path. He's built, he's been there for a decade now. 2013, 2000, sorry, 2014 was his first season. So nearly a decade. And he's just not getting the job done at the level that he's being paid. He's supposed to be competing for championships. He is being paid top five money. Look at Josh Heupel at Tennessee. On the same day that Penn State falters again on the road against the top 10 team, Josh Heupel in season number two, who who took over even in the midst of comparing The Tennessee situation, which may go on probation at some point because of what Jeremy Pruitt did, that James Franklin took over a depleted Penn State roster, took him a few years, then had a nice four-year run. Josh Heupel's doing that, bam, right out of the gate, year two. Lincoln Riley at USC. We've got other examples across the country of coaches that have come in and upgraded immediately. Maybe it's taken him a year or two, but pretty much immediately. James Franklin, year nine. Regression. We've seen regression. We saw that near elite team in 2016, 17, 18, 19, but regression there. Okay, back to the team that matters. The team that is poised to compete for a championship. Michigan. 
Okay. I talked about this all week on the Voice of College Football, our YouTube channel. Please check us out, the Voice of College Football. We've got 25 team channels and our main channel as well. Talked about it all week and set you up for this on the Big Ten Paradigm last week. Okay, Michigan at home is the logical choice. Penn State can't win a big game on the road under James Franklin. The Penn State ground game, much improved, much improved over last season's woeful performance, bottom five in the nation, but not up to the challenge of a Michigan defensive front, nor the comparison to the Michigan ground attack that might be the best in the nation. Not just because of Blake Corum, not just because of now Donovan Edwards, after some early season injuries, bouncing back and getting back in the lineup, back in the flow, and joining Corum as arguably college football's best tandem in the backfield. But it's more about the one unit that won this game, the Michigan offensive line. The Michigan offensive line was dominant, dominant in this one, pushed around Penn State's smaller defensive front around. And this Penn State defense is really good, really athletic. A lot of NFL players, they lost six to the draft last year, but they probably have another six, but pushed around up front and the back seven didn't have the answers. Now, what I really wanted to see in this game were the skill position players match up against each other, but really the two quarterbacks for as much as can be or be a statement to be made in 2022, the quarterbacks were really non-existent in this game. J.J. McCarthy did his job, did his job, didn't have to go downfield in this game, ran the football, made big plays, key plays, I should say, not big, huge plays, key plays with his legs. And Sean Clifford detractors out there, I'm going to be the Sean Clifford apologist here as I was leading into this game. Penn State did not lose because of Sean Clifford. And do not go to the stat sheet 7 of 19. He had no chance in this game. He was under fire. He was under siege the entire game. Sean Clifford played fine. He had no chance. Nothing. No chance. So we did not see a game that matched up Michigan receivers against that great Penn State secondary or vice versa. The Penn State wide receivers against the Michigan secondary. That's what I wanted to see. We saw Michigan bludgeon Penn State. Point blank, period, both sides of the ball. 418 yards of total off, or 418 yards of rushing offense, 7.6 yards per carry, 568 for Michigan. Blowout. It was also, on a side note, great to see Michigan running backs coach Mike Hart back on the sideline, healthy and strong, made the comment uh, this week that all is well. And so our continued prayers go out to Mike Hart. Good to see him on the sideline. But I will state with all the Michigan love and everything that was obvious to all of us in watching this game, we only see these teams match up one time. And just learn from all of college football. Learn from the scores and the results. And the surprises every week. Michigan's not this much better than Penn State. They just aren't. They just aren't. They're better. They won the game when it counted. And they won in dominant fashion. But just understand, one game. 
All right, let's get to the other performance that was huge in this conference over the weekend. Illinois. Brett Bielema. Wow. For them to go five and seven last year was an accomplishment. They beat Penn State. They beat Minnesota. They beat uh, Nebraska. They beat teams better than them. Uh, Brett Bielema made them a capable football team, a competent football team to a certain extent last year. Now, after they won a few games early, they beat Virginia, a team that rocked them last year by four touchdowns. They won that game and started to play. Show that they, again, would be a nice little story this year. Might get to bowl eligibility. A cute story. Capable, competent last year. Then they became a cute story. No, this is not a cute story. This is a contending football team. This is a truly... Strong football team. This is the new Wisconsin in the Big Ten Western Division. This is Wisconsin circa fill in the blank 2010. Brett Bielema's Wisconsin. Run the ball. Defense. Number one defense in the country plays in Champaign, Illinois. Are they the best defense in the country? No, they're not. But they are statistically the best defense in the country playing in Champaign, Illinois. This is this is Wisconsin from 10 or 15 years ago under Brett Bielema, circa what, 2006, up until his departure in 2012. This is him reinventing Wisconsin football with a modern take on it. From time to time, we see it in the offense, what he learned in the NFL. We see it with Illinois. They beat Minnesota, much like the Michigan-Penn State game. You know, these are two teams that we had expected. Okay, well, Minnesota came in as a seven-point favorite on the road. So we know what Vegas thought of these two teams. Minnesota, they're established under P.J. Fleck. They've been a good team for the better part of now three to four seasons. Illinois, we're still not sold on Illinois. So Minnesota, a full touchdown favorite on the road. And the stat sheet, I watched both of these games, talking Penn State, Michigan, and Illinois, Minnesota. The stat sheets pretty much show us the similar dominant fashion in which the games were won. 472 yards of total offense for Illinois to 180. Time of possession, 40 to 20. 40 minutes to 20 minutes. Chase Brown, <laughs> couldn't you just see him in Wisconsin colors a decade ago? Chase Brown ran it 41 times. He's the leading rusher in the nation. Number one defense in the country only gave up 180 yards and 12 first downs in this game. Kendall Smith picked off his fourth pass. He leads the Big Ten in interceptions. All right. The big plus this week was Illinois had enough run game out of Chase Brown in defense to survive Iowa. And hey, truth be known, they had enough Iowa offense, or lack thereof, to get by the Hawkeyes without their starting quarterback, with Artur Sidkowski, their backup quarterback, playing shaky, shaky against Iowa, but they survived the Hawkeyes 9-6. to Now with Tommy DeVito back, and back, up and running, efficient, 25-32. 
they need Tommy DeVito to stay healthy, be the guy. Just a significant upgrade at the quarterback position from last week's play to this week. Again, 25 of 32. That's balance. Still, they're still a running team. They want to run first, all that. But, hey, in the modern game, you got to be able to throw it. And Illinois presents a formidable passing attack with Tommy DeVito. Had a tremendous game in this one. On another note for the Golden Gophers, Starting quarterback Tanner Morgan took a shot to the head early in the fourth quarter, was taken off the field uh, on a cart, taken to a local hospital. And so his 45 consecutive starts, a quarterback from Minnesota in serious jeopardy. We will find out more this week, I'm sure, from P.J. Fleck during his news conference on Monday. However, I would expect this to be a day-to-day kind of situation. And also... One player to put on your radar, Illinois freshman linebacker Gabe Jackis. Hey guys, with the college football season heading toward the midway point, you need a sports book with integrity and longevity that you can rely on like Bet Us. Did you know that Bet Us has been pioneers in the sports book industry for over 25 years, paying their loyal customer base quickly and securely? Well, we want you to go to betus.com and take advantage of an offer we have with all our shows right here at the College Gridiron, Coast to Coast. You'll receive a 125% sign-up bonus by using our code COAST22. That's COAST22. Put $100 in. Get an additional $125 to play with, or $200 initially deposited gets you $250 and so on. And bet us also as the NFL, Major League Baseball postseason, and soon the NBA as well as almost any sport you can think of. But we know you are college football fans first and foremost, and we want you to be with us all season long on BetUs.com. Check them out, BetUs.com, and remember our 125% match bonus for initial signups with our code COAST22. BetUs. You bet, you win, you get paid. Illinois right now on a collision course with Purdue. They seem to be the two teams vying for the Western Division of the Big Ten. Purdue defeats Nebraska 43-37. Good to see Aiden O'Connell. He's getting back healthy. He had a couple off games because of the rib injury. He had to miss the Florida Atlantic game. Then he came back. They kind of protected him both in regards to the number of throws and the type of throws. He cut it loose a little bit more in this one against Nebraska. 35 of 54, four touchdown passes. As Jeff Brom said after the game, hey, this guy made five or six throws that are off the charts that few guys can make. Love watching Aiden O'Connell spin it. How about Devin Mockaby, though? Purdue could be really tough if they could find a consistent ground attack. And it's better this year. And... To watch this guy, Devin Mockaby, 30 carries for a buck 78 in this game. The one-time Air Force signee who really wanted to play at Purdue, signed with Air Force, transferred, was a walk-on at Purdue, and now he's getting his chance due to a few injuries. And this guy, you got to watch Devin Mockaby run the ball. He attacks defenders. He looks for contact. He is relentless. He is a physical, violent runner. Charlie Jones, 12 receptions, second in the nation in receptions with 
42, 62 catches for Charlie Jones, 12 on this game against Nebraska. Uh, the Boilers put it away late. Uh, they were challenged by the Huskers, and shoot, Trey Palmer was amazing for Nebraska. But Purdue wins at home and continue to roll on in the Big Ten Western Division. Cali football fans, the season seems to get better each and every week. The matchups are ridiculously good and getting better now that we're in conference play. You're looking for the best seats at the most competitive prices, and we want to make sure you take advantage of Ticket Smarter and their mobile app. We know that buying college football tickets online requires trust, and Ticket Smarter has partnered with more than 100 universities and 24 conferences as their official ticket resale marketplace. They have also partnered with ESPN Events as an official ticket resale partner as well. And with the best selection of NCAA football tickets, Ticket Smarter makes sure fans from all over the country experience the power and excitement of college football live. Purchase your tickets quickly, securely, and at the best prices in the secondary market with the Ticket Smarter mobile app or at TicketSmarter.com. And we've got an additional offer for those listening to all our podcasts here on College Gridiron Coast to Coast. Take 5% off your purchase of $100 or more with our promo code GRIDIRON22. That's GRIDIRON22 for 5% off your order of $100 or more. And that code isn't just a one-time deal. No. Use our code as many times as you want this season for the best selection of college football seats to the biggest games. Check out the selections and the pricing now with Ticket Smarter, and remember our code Gridiron Twenty Two. Think smarter, ticket smarter. Marquee matchups in the Big Ten coming up in Week Eight. We've got Iowa at Ohio State. That's the big noon kickoff. Could be a blowout, but it's featured on Fox. It's the uh, noon Eastern Time game. Well, we do get to see. What is most likely the best offense in college football? Though, shoot, Tennessee is really looking good. But Ohio State's offense, of course, elite. Iowa's defense, I don't care what the record looks like at the end of the season. This is just what they are able to do on defense with their offense continually going three and out is amazing. But how can they hold up for 60 minutes against this offense? Because when you go to the other side, Ohio State, at least statistically, as a top 10 defense. I don't know that they're quite that good, but they're close. They're close. They are delivering what we have said during the entire offseason would be necessary for Ohio State with the probable best offense in the country. Give us a top 25 or 30 defense, and they could win the national championship, and that's what they're doing right now. Iowa's offense continues to be you know this is a talking point on my youtube channel the voice of college football catches there a talking point here the worst offense in the country and when you consider that iowa has iowa talent and has produced the level of and number of nfl players produced by the iowa hawkeyes that's just unfathomable to to think about Iowa being that bad on offense when there are group of five schools out there, you know, you've got your New Mexico states of the world and Iowa produces less offense. Of course, the schedule's tougher, but still 131 in offense. When is offensive coordinator Brian Ferentz in his fourth season going to be held accountable? 
what has to happen here. We saw Indiana fire offensive line coach. Rutgers fire its offensive coordinator. This unit is performing much worse than those two examples. How does Iowa possibly win this game? I don't know. I don't know that there's a path to winning it besides just having an all-time freakish special teams game and defensive game. Four interceptions, two pick sixes, a blocked field goal, a blocked punt, some, some kind of craziness that doesn't exist. Yes, there have been bigger upsets in the history of college football, but I just don't see a path here. Ohio State's just too good on both sides of the ball. Iowa just uh, probably won't let it get out of hand until maybe the second half because, again, defense and special teams are that good. I know it looks like a blowout on paper, but I think Ohio or Iowa just is that good on special teams and defense to keep it close. And remember, 2017, Iowa double nickels, 55-24 over Ohio State, major upset. That was a long time ago. And Iowa could play offense and had two NFL tight ends. Minnesota at Penn State. Uh, these teams are on life support. Yeah, I didn't expect myself to be saying that this early in the season, but basically they're on life support. If the goal is to win a championship, and I believe it is, Minnesota's one and two, and they've lost to two division opponents. Can't lose two division opponents in the Big Ten Western Division in particular. And so Minnesota's dropped two key games. And we told you about Tanner Morgan. Well, Penn State's only lost one game, Mark. Come on. Are they on life support? Again, you can only lose one game in the Big Ten Eastern Division. They will have Ohio State in a couple weeks. But the loser's done. Both teams are kind of reeling, too. Again, not playing awful football, and I hate to make one game out to be a trend, so Penn State's only lost to one game. But for Minnesota, it's back-to-back weak offensive performances. 10 points against Purdue at home, and then only 14 points against Illinois on the road. Redshirt freshman quarterback, Ethan Calicomanis, will replace Tanner Morgan, or at least he did this past week. And boy, that doesn't bode well for as as poorly as Tanner Morgan played the worst game of his career, only a 21 yards passing early in the fourth quarter. Kelly Kamanis went two of six with two picks, 17 yards. So Minnesota in a tough spot going to Penn State. Again, the losers done season over in terms of winning a championship. Thanks so much for joining us here on Big Ten Paradigm at the College Gridiron Coast to Coast Network. Join us each and every day on YouTube, Voice of College Football. Look it up. Check us out. We would love to have you. Until next week, enjoy the football. Big Ten football. See you next week. Big Ten Paradigm.